Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Ezekiel chapter 37. Start at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. You know, we'll get back to the scripture and just to put it in context, one of the things it's talking about Ezekiel 37 is Israel becoming a nation again. And of course, you know that happened in 1948. But there's so many powerful things we can see in this passage and apply to our everyday lives today that when you look at your life right now, when you look at your current situation and circumstance, when we look at the time we're in as a nation, as a world, where people are quarantined, where there's economic uncertainty, and there's a lot of things that people just don't know about. There's a lot of uncertainty. When you look around your life, do you see some dead bones? Do you see some places in your life that are dried up? And my question for you today is, can the dry bones of your life live again? Can the dry, dead circumstances and situations in your life right now live again? Can what you've been calling dark and dead and traumatic and tragic in your life right now, can it experience life again? And I think some of you would answer like the prophet here. You would have a special cop-out. Well, God knows. Well, if God wants it to happen, and, you know, a lot of people, because they don't want to say what they really think, they find a religious cop-out. And for a lot of us, the religious cop-out, well, only God knows what's going to happen. That's a religious cop-out. Sometimes I really believe we say things like that because we misunderstand the character of our God. These are the bones of your life. Can they live again? You say, well, it's up to God. No, not so much up to God, as you'll see in this message. It's up to you. Will the dry areas of your life, the dead bones of your life, will they live again? And you can answer this question confidently at the end of this message. Once we take a look at a few more things, you shouldn't have to question about those areas of your life because you know the character and the nature of your God. So let's look at a few things. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. Some of the people who've been following along in our Faithless Healing Revival this week have a head start of where I'm going. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. Can the dry bones of your life live again? You know, anytime I say a phrase like that in certain phrases, people begin to think of areas in their life. So I want you to capture that image in your head right now. If you have notes, you can write it down. If you want to put it down on your phone. When I talk about dry bones, what do you think about? Write it down. When I talk about dead areas of a life, what do you think about? It could be as various or as singular. What are the things you're thinking about right now? Write it down. Take a moment right now. Write it down. Come on, interact with me. Don't just stare at the screen. Come on, do what I'm saying. Listen to the man of God. Write it down. What are the dead areas of your life? What are the dry areas of your life? 
What are some areas in your life right now? You say, well, only God knows. Write those areas down right now. And once you're done doing that, I want you to type. If you're in a place where you can type or comment, I've done it, Pastor. Go ahead. Take a few minutes. Take a few seconds. Write it down. The dry areas of your life. The dead areas of your life. Life said, if you're honest with yourself, you would question, can these areas live again? You don't have to type those areas in the comment section. Just write it in your own personal area that you can look back to it at the end of this message. 1 John chapter 1. This is written by the Apostle John. You know, one of the things I love about the Apostle John, his perspective on life and his letters and the gospel that bears his name and, of course, the book of Revelation, that he walked with Jesus. He was one of the inner three with Jesus, closest to Jesus. And by most scholars' opinion, he was the youngest apostle. He may have even been a teenager when he walked those three years with Jesus. And so when you get to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. It's Paul's right there. So what is John talking about? He says, I'm telling you what I witnessed, what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced. I'm not telling you secondhand knowledge. I'm not telling you something that someone else told me. I was there for all these things. I was there with Jesus himself doing all these things. You have to understand, John is writing his letter decades later after Jesus has died, has raised from the dead, has ascended. He's writing this decades later, and he's also writing this after a lot of the witnesses who walked with Jesus, the 500 people who saw Jesus raised from the dead, and over 500 people, people who saw that, they're not around anymore. They've died and gone to heaven. John's one of the last living witnesses. And he says, I'm not telling you secondhand, thirdhand knowledge. I'm telling you what I witnessed, what I experienced, the life of God that was manifested. I saw it. I'm testifying of it. I'm showing you the eternal life which was with the Father that was manifested to us through the Son. Because what I heard, I'm telling you. Why? That you may have fellowship. That word fellowship means partnership, communion, relationship with us. And truly our partnership, our relationship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Your joy can be full in a time of panic. When everybody else is full of panic and fear and uncertainty, you can be full of joy. In a time where people are down and depressed, you may even have some circumstances that hit your life because of this COVID-19. You may even have some economic uncertainty in your life because of COVID-19. You don't have to be depressed. You can still be full of joy because you understand what we shared last week. You're going out better than you came in. You understand that God is going to bring you out to a great place. So in the midst of this time, you can be filled with joy. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. So John begins to sum up what he saw demonstrated in the life of Jesus. See, John wasn't just there for the messages. He was also there behind the scenes when Jesus began to break down and explain it. So John sums up the three years, over three years he was with Jesus, by saying this is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all 
See, one of the things Jesus did when he spent time with the disciples, he revealed the nature and the character of God. And one of the things Jesus revealed about God to them is God is light. In him is no darkness at all. In other words, God is good. We serve a good God. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. God is light. In him is no COVID-19 at all. God is light. In him is no sickness or disease at all. God is light. In him is no depression at all. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. So when you begin to consider today, can the dry bones and the dead areas of your life live again, understand the character and the nature of your God. He is light. And in him is no darkness at all. You say, well, that might have been true in John's day, but I don't know in 2020. No, wait, wait, stop it right there. James said, in him is no shadow of turning. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was light back then, he's still light today. There's no shadow of turning. He's not going to change. Well, that was for John. That was for James. No, 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 no. He is not a respecter of persons. So if he was light for John, he'll be light for you. If he doesn't have a shadow of turning with James, he won't have a shadow of turning with you. He's not a respecter of persons. He was a respecter of faith. And what you've been saying is an indicator of your faith. What you've been talking about, what you've been sharing, what you've been posting, what you've been tweeting is an indication of where your faith is right now and where your internal belief is, can these dead bones live again? Can these dry areas of my life live again? Go with me to John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. Let's clarify some things. As I said last week, God did not send COVID-19, but he will turn it for our good. You might say, well, where did COVID-19 come from? The thief comes not, but for it to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Notice what Jesus said. I am come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. I like what the Amplified Classic Edition points it out. It says that you may have life to the full till it overflows. I have come that you might have and enjoy life. So there's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, but Jesus said, I've come that you may have life to the full till it overflows. I've come that you might have and enjoy life. You have to understand, it's very simple, but religion will make you misunderstand it. God is good, the devil is bad. God is a good God, the devil is a bad devil. God does not send you sickness or disease to teach you something. He says, well, well, one time I got sick and I got closer to God. Well, I'm glad you got closer to God, but God didn't send sickness to get you closer to him. Why? Sickness is of the kingdom of darkness. Why would God have to take darkness to teach you about the light? That does not make sense. It's religion, but it's not Bible. He said, well, when... My life fell apart, my family fell apart, I really got closer to God and got in the Word, and, you know, I'm better for it. God did not break up your family and mess up your life to get you to come closer to Him. Those situations may have happened because of your own decisions, because of the own seed you sow, the own harvest you reap, but God did not send that destruction to you. God is good, and His mercy endures forever. Do you know what was in that situation happening when your life was falling apart? The mercy of God. The fact that you even opened up your eyes as, you know what, I should come to God in the midst of your own foolishness was the mercy of God. God did not send the destruction, but he gave you another chance to turn and come back to him. He is good. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Go with me to Psalm 103. 
Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He's abundant and overflowing in mercy. And one of the things we learned last week in Philippians 2, 27, healing is described as a mercy. Healing is a mercy from God. And so while this virus is running rampant, remember your God is plenteous in mercy, and one of the mercies abundant in is healing. Remember in the Gospels when people will cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus would pass by, have mercy on us. And as they lay hold by faith to the mercy of God, they were healed. In this time, have faith in the mercy of God and know that he is abundant in mercy. That's his character. That's who he is. He is light. In him is no darkness at all. Jesus came that you might have and enjoy life and have it to the full till it overflows. Let's go back a few pages to Psalm 85, 86. Psalm 86. Some of you is like, well, that's great, but I haven't been living right. I'm just so glad I'm on this broadcast. I'm glad he's plenty of mercy, but I've messed up my life. I have not been living right. You might be a person that you've been, you knew God and you walked away. Or you're supposed to be like, I've never even had a relationship with God. Well, what about me? Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon you. That includes you too. You may be far away from God right now, but if you call upon him and ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you and show you his abundant mercy, which includes healing. And part of the mercy of God, it can get you back on track like you never even walked away in the first place and make your life better than when you were by yourself because his nature is good. He's merciful and he is light. In him is no darkness at all. Skip down to verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering. Man, aren't you glad God is patient with you? He's long-suffering with you? And plenteous in mercy and truth. Your God is plenteous, abundant, overflowing in mercy. You need to believe that in times like this, that God wants to show you his mercy. One of the things we looked at over a week ago, we began to dive in mercy a little bit more and how in mercy is a picture of covenant love, how God is determined to bless you, that God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed yourself. He's abundant in mercy. He's overflowing in goodness, and he wants to show that goodness in your life. We've looked at the scripture in Psalms how God has laid up, he's reserved goodness for you. There's goodness with your name on it that he's reserved for you, for all those who reverence him, that he wants to manifest in your life in front of everybody else. God has goodness laid up for you. God is overflowing in mercy. He is good. His mercy endures forever. He is light. In him is no darkness at all. He has come that you might have and enjoy life and have it to the full till it over flows. That's who he is. Now I'll go back to 1 John. Let's look at chapter 4 this time. Still talking about the character, the nature of God. So you'll be able to answer with confidence. Can these dead bones in your life live again? 
can these dry areas in your life live again? First John. Chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Let's look at what it says in verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means atoning sacrifice. In other words, Jesus took our place. All the results we should have gotten because of our bad decisions, because of our sin, because of our iniquity, all the wrongs that we've done that should have ripped eternal destruction in our life. Jesus came, took our place, paved the price so that we didn't have to receive the result of our sins. It says Jesus died for our sins, and later the scripture says he was raised for our justification. He was raised for us to be declared righteous. Or in other words, he was raised for us to be declared not guilty. And why did that happen? The heavenly Father, who is light, who is good, who is abundant in mercy, sent Jesus to pave the price for you. That's how he showed his love for you. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Skip down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love God has toward us. We've been talking about it this week. You got to know the love, not just mentally. You got to know it deep inside. You have to know God loves you. You need to believe that God loves you. You need to be confident in the love of God. Just like Jesus walked around confident in the love of God, says the Father loves the Son. He was confident in the love of God. He was aware of the love of God. And you need to be confident and aware of the love of God in this season of fear. You need to know that God loves you. Come on, pause right now. Say, God loves me. Come on, say it out loud. Say, God loves me. Come on, I don't care who you're around. Say it out loud. Say, God loves me. And as we looked in John 17, 23, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He doesn't have less love for you than he has for Jesus. He loves you the same. Let's go down a little bit more. You have to know and believe the love that God has to you. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect or mature or grown up, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect, mature, grown-up love casts out or evicts out fear, because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect or grown up in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now that you understand the character and the nature of God a little more, and you know that he is love, that's who he is. That's not just his nature and character, that's who he is, he's love. Now that you understand that, you got to do something with the fear. Because the only way fear can have a place in your life is because you, don't ha you have not grown up and matured in your belief in how much God loves you. Because as you grow in the belief and the understanding and become aware and confident in the love of God, fear loses its place. It says grown-up mature love casts out or evicts fear. In other words, it flushes out the fear. The more you meditate on how much God loves you, the more you begin to think about and talk about 
how much God loves you. The more you begin to sing about how much God loves you, as more of you make that as your daily routine, whatever fears in your life begins to lose its hold. You have to make a decision to stop the fear. Fear is dangerous. Fear opens the door to the enemy, just like faith opens you up to receive from God. You have to stop the fear, not just when it's wide panic, but in the small what if. When you're at night trying to go to bed and the what if hits you. Nope, you need to stop that what if. Well, how do I stop that what if? You reply, no, that's not going to happen. God loves me. Well, what if everything gets bad? Well, in the midst of everything being bad, God loves me, and he will take care of me because I have a caretaker. I cast all my care, worry, anxiety on him because he cares for me, and he always takes care of me in grand style because he loves me. You need to respond to the fear with the love of God and meditate on the love of God. Think about the love of God. Sing about the love of God. Talk about the love of God. And as you do, whatever fear is trying to hold on to your life will let go. You need to make a decision of faith over fear. You need to make a decision to refuse the fear and think about the love of God. Now that we know a little bit more about the love of God, and we talked about it this week, go to Romans chapter 8. Can these dry bones live? Can the dead areas of your life live again? Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, say, if God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. If God be for you, it doesn't matter that COVID-19 is against you. If God be for you, it doesn't matter the economic uncertainty is against you. If God be for you, it doesn't matter if all the kingdom of darkness is against you. God is for you because he loves you and he is good. His mercy endures forever. He's abundant in mercy and he is light and him is no darkness at all. And Jesus came that you might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. He's for you. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all? things. When God gave you Jesus, in and with Jesus, God gave you everything. So it doesn't matter what provision you're asking for today, what you're believing for today. And the mind of God is, is I provided it all when I gave you Jesus. So it's not a question, does God want me to be blessed? Does God want to meet my needs? Does God want to heal my body? Does God want to give me wisdom? Does God want to give me peace? Does God want to deliver me? Does God want to save me? That's not a question anymore, because he gave you Jesus. And when he gave you Jesus, he gave you everything. When he gave you Jesus, he, gave, he saved your soul. When he gave you Jesus, he's healed your body. When he gave you Jesus, he gave you peace for your mind. When he gave you Jesus, he gave you provision for your finances. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you everything because he is good and his mercy endures forever. Now go with me. Let's go just a little bit further to talk about this love. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that's pressure. No. Distress, a lot of people are in distress right now. Can that separate us from the love of God? No. Persecution, pressure brought by people? No. Famine or nakedness, that's lack? No. Peril of the sword, that's danger? No. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So people may think we're done for. But notice Paul's response to all these things. Verse 37, nay or no, and all these things, 
We are more than conquerors in this situation, in this circumstance, in this season. You are more than a conqueror. You can conquer the danger. You can conquer the lack. You can conquer the pressure. You can conquer the distress. Why? You're a conqueror through him that loves you. And you must believe it. And you must have this mentality when you look at the dead areas of your life. You must have this mentality as you look at the dry areas of your life. You must have this mentality as you look at the circumstances and the situation you find yourself in today. While the rest of the world is uncertain, you can be certain because you know the character of your God. Now go with me to Isaiah 51. Glory to God. Isaiah 51. Verse 3, look more at what your God wants to do. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. Yes, there's an earthly Zion, but there's also a heavenly Zion, a spiritual Zion, and that's you, church. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hey, those dead areas, those waste places, those wildernesses, those dry areas, here's what God wants to do. He wants to bring comfort to your life. He wants to make your wilderness like the garden of Eden. When you look at the garden of Eden, there was provision there. There was no lack. There was relationship with God. There was health. It was the perfect state of humanity. And God wants that to be your life. He wants to take the dry areas, take the wilderness areas, take the destroyed areas, and turn them into the garden of the Lord. That's what God wants to do for you in this season. He's bringing you out to a better place, and he's going to comfort all the rough areas. He's going to comfort all the waste areas. He's going to comfort all the desert areas because that's who he is. He is good. His mercy endures forever. He is light. In him is no darkness at all. He is for you. He loves you, and he came that you might have life and have it to the full till it overflows and that you may enjoy the life he brought for you. God is going to bring you out. That's what we preached and prophesied last week. That is what he's going to do. Build your faith in the character of your God. And know this is not the end. There is life after this, and the life after this is good because your God is good, and something good is going to happen to you. Go with me to Psalm 30, verse 10. Psalm 30, verse 10. Go ahead and say it with me or type it on the screen. Say, something good is going to happen to me today. Something good is going to happen to me today. Something good is going to happen to me today. Because something good is going to happen to you, you might as well expect miracles. Because your God is a miracle worker. He is a wonder-working God. He did not stop working wonders in the Old Testament or in the days of Jesus. He is still a wonder-working God, and he's going to work wonders in your life. Psalm 30, verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my help. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. God can take a situation of where you are in mourning and turn it into a situation where you dance. He can take where it seems you were dressed in clothes of mourning and he'll turn it to where you're rejoiced and clothed with gladness. 
God is great at turning situations around. We said this is a year of transformation and restoration. This is a year of great change, and it'll be a great year for you of change internally as well as in your external situations. God is turning things around for you. It's for your good. It's for your benefit because he is for you. He is good and overflowing in mercy. He is light. In him is no darkness at all, and he has come that you might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. That's who he is. And he can turn your situation around. Now go back with me, Isaiah 61 this time. Isaiah 61. This is still your year for transformation and restoration. Isaiah 61. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord God has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, notice when Jesus quoted this in Luke chapter 4, he stopped there. Jesus was describing his ministry while he was on the earth. But what happened after that? The Holy Spirit took, off where, took up where Jesus left off. So it continues, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, that's you too. To give unto them, that's you. Say, that's me. Come on, type right now. Say, that's me. Say, this is me right here. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And they, who are they? Those who've been given beauty for ashes. Those who've been given oil joy for mourning. Those who've been given the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those people, that's you, say that's me. They shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So God not only will transform how you're doing on the inside and work on your heart and work on your life to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, he will use you to transform the areas around you because he is good and he wants to show his goodness to the world. He is going to transform your situations. This is still your year of transformation and restoration. Some of you say, well, what am I being transformed to? To the person God has always, always called you to be, the one he created you to be. What's my situation being transformed to? To a place of restoration. Things you've been believing for for years and decades to come to pass, and it seems like it's never going to happen. And in one instant, God can turn it around. We have a word for that in the Bible. It's called suddenly. Expect suddenly because you serve a good God. Zechariah 4, 6. Zechariah 4, 6. Notice all this in Isaiah 61 is accomplished by the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus quoted that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. And we see even through verse 2 and 3 and 4, the work of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, the Lord told the prophet, how are these things going to happen, what God was telling him about? Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. How are all these things going to change? How are you going to experience a transformation? How are you going to experience the goodness in your life? How are things going to be restored? How are things going to change? 
is going to be by the Holy Spirit of God. Now go with me back to where we started, Ezekiel 37. I think some of you can answer that question now. Will the dry bones of your life live again? Will the dead areas of your life live again? Is anybody watching online can answer that question? Come on, let's pause right now. Anybody can answer that question? Can anybody answer that question? Will the dry areas of your life live again? If it's yes, go ahead and type yes. Will the dead areas of your life live again? Go ahead and type yes. Come on. If you believe that, go ahead and comment. If you can comment, go ahead and share. If you can share, say yes, the dead bones will live again. Yes, the dry areas will live again because I know the character of my God and I know what he wants to do in my life. Go ahead and type yes right now. This is what God is doing in your life, in you and through you and all around you. Ezekiel 37, verse 1, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. When you study out the hand of the Lord in the Old Testament, do you know who the hand of the Lord is? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he carried him out in the Spirit of the Lord. So what happens? Ezekiel was surrounded and caught up in the Spirit of God and set me down in the midst of the valley, which is full of bones. The Holy Spirit brought him to a place full of dry, full of death. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let me define this word prophesy to you. Prophesy means to speak or sing by inspiration. What inspiration? The inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It also means to cause to bubble up. It means to pour forth words abundantly by the inspiration of the Spirit. It means to speak or sing by inspiration of the Spirit. To cause to bubble up, to pour forth words abundantly by the inspiration of the Spirit. One more time, to speak or sing by inspiration, to cause to bubble up, to pour forth words abundantly by the inspiration of the Spirit. So what does this word do? It illustrates this beautiful picture of something stirring on the inside and increasing to a place where it bubbles up and increases higher and higher and higher till it comes out of your mouth in the form of words. What am I telling you right now? There is a word on the inside of you that you must speak out. There is a word on the inside of you that you must speak out. The more you get into the word, the more you pray in the spirit, the more you listen to the word, the more you will know what to say. Because the dry areas of your life the dead areas of your life are waiting for you to say something. Now go to Mark chapter 11. It's Mark chapter 11. Let's begin to bring this to a close. Mark chapter 11. Familiar passage to a number of us. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And it's a temple. When he do this, Palm Sunday, he just come in triumphantly. 
So after they said, blessed be the king of our father David, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes to the name of the Lord. Jesus enters into the temple, into Jerusalem, and into the temple, and when he looked around about everything and saw everything that was going on, it was evening, he went out into Bethany. Why is that important? And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found there's nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Now, why did Jesus talk to the tree? Think about this. We just looked at the scripture that Jesus walked by the tree once to go to the temple the day before. Walked by it again to go home. So this is at least the third time he's seen the tree on this trip. Why did he not say anything to the tree the first two times? God didn't tell him to. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. So in his time of prayer, the father talked to him about speaking to the tree. And so let's skip down to verse 20. On the next day. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So when Jesus spoke to it, the word he said went to the root and then affected the rest of the tree. And Peter, calling to remember, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus said unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. Nine words again, just like the nine words to the fig tree. And shall not doubt in his heart. Didn't say you won't doubt in your mind. It's not doubt in your heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Notice something about this passage. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Say. Notice how many times say is mentioned. Say is mentioned three times. Believe is mentioned once. So maybe the issue today is not really with your believing. It's with your mouth. The dead areas of your life are waiting for you to say something. And notice, where did Jesus get these words from? The Heavenly Father. Where do you get your words from? The Heavenly Father. So where, am I, where is it going to come from? Down from heaven? No, no, no. Remember, we looked at the word prophesy. Something bubbling up from the inside. About to pour forth abundantly. So the more time you spend in the word and in prayer, what you need to say to your situation will bubble up. And then you'll make not just a faith confession, a faith command. See, one of the important things about faith confessions, they help frame our lives, but they also build us up on the inside. So when we have to make faith commands and faith demands, there's something to say. See, remember Jesus said in John 6, 63, that my words are spirit and they are life. So let's go back to Ezekiel 37 as we close. Some of you say, well, this concept's kind of new to me. Well, Proverbs 18.21 says the power of life and death 
is in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's in your mouth. You know, Proverbs 15.4 lets us know that your tongue can be a tree of life. So Ezekiel 37. Let's look at it one more time as we close. Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet in exceeding great the wind here represents, once again, the breath of God or the spirit of God. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So you spend more time praying in the spirit. The spirit will say to you what you should say. The more time you get into the word of God, the words that are spirit and life, the word that is medicine to your flesh, help to your flesh, as Proverbs says, more things will bubble up on the inside. So yes, this was, you should read the scripture out loud every day, at least one chapter a day. Yes, I encourage you to do your faith confessions, confessions that are based from the scripture. You should say those things every day. Don't stop doing them. You're framing your world through the words of your mouth. But as you continually do that, you'll have this inkling on the inside. For lack of better words, you'll have a story on the inside, a sensing on the inside. Sensing is better than describing it as a feeling. On the inside, and you'll know there's something in there that you need to speak out. And the more you spend time listening, the more you spend time praying and spend reading in the word, it'll become clearer and clearer what to say. As you put aside the distractions and you listen to what to say, and then he'll give you words to say, and then you make your faith command based off what the Holy Ghost is telling you to say. And once you say what he told you to say, never back down from those words of faith again. You hold on to that, and you expect that to come to pass. Because those words did not originate with you. Those words originated from the spirit of the living God. And as you say those words and rejoice over those words and thank God over those words, the dead areas of your life, the dry areas of your life will come alive again. This is a time for resurrection power, for dead things to live again. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to sharing more about that with you next Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But before we go, go back and look into the list I told you to write at the beginning of this message. Some of you just tuned in. Go back to the beginning when this message is over and you see what I'm talking about. Go back and look at the list, these areas you got question about. Can this live again? Can this live again? Can this live again? Can this live again? Look at it with faith now. Yeah, it can live again because I know my character of my God. You say, well, this can't live again because it's a personal relationship and that person's not here anymore or that person has a different change of interest. That, no, that doesn't mean that specific relationship will come back, but God can bring a relationship that's better. He will make that area of your life live again. Have confidence and faith in the character of your God and what he tells you to say. You 
must speak the words of faith. So what is the word of faith? It is the word of our trust in God. And you need to speak words of trust in God right now. So understand this. You need to keep your mouth right in this time. Don't speak fear. Don't speak problem. Speak life. Stop speaking death. Speak life. Major on the goodness of your God. Speak words of faith. Not because you think you can make it happen yourself because you said something. After Jesus spoke through the tree and Peter marveled, what did Jesus tell him? Have faith in God. Your words display your faith in God. Well, what about the economy? Have faith in God. What about the president? Have faith in God. What about the news reports? Have faith in God. What about the Congress? Have faith in God. And let your faith be seen in the words of your mouth and the actions you take. Stay in the place of faith. And watch what God will do in your life. Hallelujah. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.